0: This is the Converge podcast. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Converge. We're glad that you're here on this almost summery day. Nobody's really listening to me. I just talk until people start listening. And then, yeah. How is everybody? Have you had a good week? Is it into summer groove yet? Is anybody taking intensive summer school classes right now to try to get a jump on the. No? Okay. Those used to be, I, I tried to avoid them as much as possible, but I took one of those 40 hours of class in one week kind of things as a summer school class one time. It's Not fun, not fun at all. So I'm glad that you're not in that position. Guys, we're super glad that you're here. Uh, it feels like it's been forever since I've been with you. If, in case you're relatively new to Converge or new back to Converge, I'm Dave and, and I help uh, here in the, in the team. We have a bit of a more casual schedule in the summer, as you can see with us getting started a little bit later than usual, but, uh, but we've still got a lot of stuff going on today and even, even this summer. So I'm gonna have Josh come and talk through some announcements, round of applause for Josh and all that he does.
0: Thank you. Yeah, actually, I, I made the mistake one semester of doing a Calculus 2 intensive oh, oh while I was working full-time. So I would, I would do Calculus until noon, and then I would go to work from uh, 3 to midnight, and uh, that was awful. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much for being here today. So glad to see all of you. Summer is a little bit different. It's nice to, to have this like, slightly more relaxed few less people in the room. I love it when this room is full of people. I also enjoy getting to know people a little bit better when the room's not quite as full. So I, uh, I take advantage of this opportunity. It's so good to see you guys all today. Uh, if you wanna keep up with things that are going on around Heritage as a whole, make sure and check out hbclinchburg.com hub. That's the Heritage Hub where all of the most important announcements go generally. So uh, if you like me often miss the beginning of the service in the other building, that's a great place to catch up on the things that are going on that you may not have been in the room for the announcement for, but maybe that's just me. If you wanna keep up with things that are going on with us, make sure and text at HB Converge to 81010. We send you a couple of texts throughout the week to let you know things that are going on. For example, uh, we generally have, throughout the week, we have some groups that get together as small groups. So, often, there will be groups on Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m., and then we have another group that's kind of specifically focused on juniors, seniors, and young professionals that meets on Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. Now, that's another thing that changes a little bit throughout the summer. Uh, groups tend to, like, take a week off every now and then, or I think the the— this group is wrapping up in two weeks this is the last ones the one. so there's one more of these friday morning groups before they take a couple months off so a good way to stay in the loop on what's going on with that so that you uh don't miss out or uh don't show up to the velez's house when they don't have anything planned is to text at hb converge to 81010 on a similar note if uh you are gone and miss a couple of messages or if you're back and uh aren't ha- haven't been in the loop for this whole series um i'd encourage you to check out our podcast um this is the uh hbc converge sunday morning podcast and actually i think i've got that whoa let's try to this is really professional there we go um so anyway if you go to anchorfm. Uh, or sorry anchor.fm hbconverge this is where the, the messages get posted, and then you can scroll back through and find one you missed. Or if you heard something in here that uh, that really struck you and you want to listen to it again, this is a great place to check that out also, at anchor.fm slash hbconverge, or with the, uh, the QR code on the screen here. Well, on the screen, there we go, on the screen here. Um, so. We're going to be hearing from uh, Pastor Mike Crump today, continuing in the Come and See series that we've been working through the stories of the life of Christ uh, through the book of John. Um, so, I don't. Most of you should know uh, Pastor Mike, but if you're not, there, there we go. There's the Come and See uh, logo. Um, but if you're not familiar, he is the pastor of communications here at Heritage Baptist Church. So I'm sure you've all interacted with uh, Pastor Mike at some point. But if you haven't, if you've ever watched any of the videos from uh, Heritage or any of the social media stuff, the voice on that is almost always uh, Pastor Mike. So I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to him today. I'm going to pray for us uh, to get rolling here, and then I'll hand things over to Mike. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together today and uh, be together in your word and learn more about you. Lord, I just pray that you'd remove all the distractions and all the hecticness of life um, that could uh, creep into our thoughts today and keep us from hearing what you've got for us. So I just pray that you'd help us to set all that aside and uh, to be very uh, aware of what you're showing us in your word today. Thank you for all that you are, Lord, and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much.
2: Well, it is a joy to be with you guys today. Um, it is a long time, I feel, since I've been in college. I'm one of those old guys. Um, I have a granddaughter, so that makes me officially old. Um, but today we're going to be looking at uh, one of those stories of Christ that we maybe we know about. We've probably read if you've been in church for any amount of time, but maybe not something we've meditated on for any extended period of time. Um, and it is the it is Jesus for telling about Peter's denial. Now, Peter's denial is well known. We we, we know this. Um, our first graders that, that I oversee with the Sparks here at church, they know about Peter's denial. We talked about that the other day. We have preschoolers who probably design roosters to, to, you know, remember Peter's denial um, in their classes. Um, And we also remember his restoration as Christ comes to him and the grace that is displayed there. Um, But before any of that happened, Peter was told that he was going to deny Christ. And something happens in this, and, and we're going to be looking at this And three distinct accounts, yes, in the book of John and John 13, but we're also going to be looking at Luke 22 and Matthew 26 as well. And considering what we can learn from these three passages and specifically these instances where Jesus is speaking to Peter about something that is going to drastically impact his life. Because Jesus is not simply stating information for Peter to know that, yes, Peter, you will deny me, but the context and the truth that Jesus displays around this reality of Peter's denial is for us to grab hold of, to understand, and hopefully will help us as we walk out this Christian life. Before we jump in, I would like to pray once again, just because I am thoroughly dependent on the Lord in this. It's been a little while since I have taught adults. Usually I'm teaching little children. um, And uh, hopefully you guys listen a little better than them. So let's uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your graciousness that we can be here today for your love for us, that you have given us your word that we can understand who you are. We thank you that, God, we can read about this interaction that was no doubt painful for Peter and no doubt even painful for you as you had to share a hard, hard truth. But, God, I pray that you would help us to glean even the hardest of truth that we may be made more into the image of Christ today. And so we submit this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, before we jump into the actual text, I want us to kind of jump into Peter's mind a little bit and grapple with the context of where he is and the disciples are. Now, you've been walking through the life of Jesus in your studies here, so some of this will be review, but the words that Jesus is going to be sharing with Peter are not told in a vacuum. They're not just coming out of nowhere. This is a roller coaster of emotions that have been happening upon Peter and upon the disciples You see, the the Messiah that they were longing for, that they were looking for, they saw as someone who would come and establish a kingdom, a kingdom that was going to destroy Rome, that was going to be eternal, that was going to be in power, that was going to be in might, and they started seeing pieces of that as Jesus came into Jerusalem. triumphal entry as Jesus comes in and people are screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they are laying down the palm branches, and they are laying down their cloaks, and, and surely Peter is seeing this and going, yes, Messiah, yes, and celebrating. And then Jesus enters the temple and he's turning over tables and he's decrying the evil of the Pharisees and saying, this is not what my father's house is for. And yes, I can imagine Peter saying, yes, Messiah, yes. But then Jesus begins foretelling the destruction of the temple. Wait a second, this is a holy site. This is, this is where God meets with his people. Why would it be? Destroyed. Why would the Messiah speak of this? He speaks of his own death, and Peter rebukes this at one point. Then, as we saw, uh, I believe it was last week, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This is, this is what the servants do? Does the Messiah do that? This doesn't make sense. And then in the upper room, Jesus breaks bread and says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood that is spilled for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, this doesn't make sense to the the Jew who was thinking Messiah is coming in power. And then Jesus predicts, and this is kind of getting into where we're going here, Jesus predicts that one of the twelve is going to betray him. And it's, it's humorous in the passage a bit that Peter kind of nudges John, and he's like, hey, John, can you ask Jesus who he's talking about? And Jesus says, it is the one who dips the bread. And, and Judas dips the bread, and then he gets up to leave, and the Bible says that the disciples look at that and go, hey, He must be going to buy something because Jesus wants him to buy something. They just kind of miss the point. There is confusion here. So Peter himself is confused. There's fear. There's confusion. All of this leading into this conversation with Jesus that we are about to talk through. Peter has a lot that he is processing through. And so we get, after Judas is kind of pointed out after Jesus talks about this, we get another glimpse into where the disciples minds are during this time. And this is all helping us paint a picture of this interaction with Jesus and Peter that we will open up. But after experiencing all these things about the betrayer, we see we read this in Luke twenty two, twenty three 23 through 24. It says for the son of man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Okay, so Jesus says, there is a betrayer and woe to him who it is that betrays me. And they began to question one another, which of them it would be who was going to do this. And then immediately a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was regarded as the greatest. What a transition. What a transition. It appears that each of the disciples personally got defensive of themselves because they weren't sure who was going to be the one who was going to Betray Jesus. So they began grandstanding. Well, it's not me who's going to betray Jesus. It must be him. It must be that guy. Well, he's got that lazy eye. It's got to be him, right? I mean, it's, it's got to be the, the, the guy with the, you know, whatever. It, they started pointing to one another. They started to cause an argument over who is actually the best. Why is this important? Why am I pointing this out? This argument comes before Jesus confronts Peter. This provides the context to Peter's mindset at the time. Peter was confused. Peter was defensive. And this brings us to the conversation we're going to look at, and we're going to see four principles to consider when facing the unknown. So if you're a note taker, I'm a note taker. Four principles to consider when facing the unknown. Peter's world was about to be dismantled and Jesus was doing it very clearly. But Jesus is going to communicate truth to Peter to help prepare him for what is to come. Peter may not have grasped it at the time, but my prayer is that each of us will do so as we consider these things. So let's start with the passage I just mentioned, Luke 22. You want to turn there. We're going to be in Luke 22, beginning in verse 30. This is after, again, this dispute rose up. The disciples are arguing over who is the greatest, and Jesus confronts them, and he says, listen, if you want to be the greatest, you are going to be a servant. This is how things work in my kingdom. And then he assures them, he says, hey, but I want you to know that you are going to sit with me at my table. You are going to take in my kingdom you are actually going to serve on thrones and you're going to judge the tribes of Israel so all this is in your future and then he turns to Peter and he says this Simon Simon behold Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. What is Jesus communicating here? And these are the questions we're going to be asking as we go through each one of these passages. What is Jesus communicating in this instance that we see? Well, first, Jesus is communicating that Satan wants to tempt Peter. He's he's communicating that there is a spiritual reality that Peter is not aware of. He's also telling him that there is another spiritual reality, and that is that Jesus has prayed for him. That Jesus has interceded on his behalf. And then he tells them this beautiful promise when you have turned again this is important because this is the promised occurrence this is the messiah speaking he says when you have turned again this is a promised thing that will happen when you have turned again he says strengthen your brothers so jesus is trying to Broaden Peter's understanding, broaden his understanding to a spiritual reality that is occurring, that Satan is wanting to sift him like wheat, but that Jesus is standing in the gap, desiring that he may be strengthened so that he can turn back and strengthen his brothers. This is a greater thing that Jesus is wanting to do. There's a spiritual reality, spiritual warfare. I want to intercede on your behalf. I have interceded interceded on your behalf Strengthen your brothers when you return. How does Peter respond? I'm ready to go with you, Jesus. Personal confidence to prison and to death. Physical reality. Peter missed the spiritual point. Jesus, I will do it here on earth. I got you. He missed the spiritual reality in that moment. His personal confidence was in a physical reality bypassing, missing, completely not understanding in that moment the spiritual dynamic. And so therefore Jesus foretells, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. Peter does not respond to the warning about Satan and immediately cry out to Jesus, asking for greater strength or longing for help in overcoming, or even seeking clarity on what this is going to look like, but immediately responds in boasting about his plan to suffer along with Jesus. It's as if the spiritual realities that Jesus speaks of had no consequence to Peter. And this brings me to my first, the first principle. Don't discount the spiritual realities of your situation. Do not discount the spiritual realities of your situation. How many times a day, and this is a legitimate question. How many times a day do you stop to think about the spiritual realm? And I'm not talking about demon lords, you're slaying an Elden ring. I'm talking about real demonic spiritual realms or angelic realms or the realms in which our father reigns on high. How many times throughout the day do you stop and consider that that is very much a reality as much or more so than the reality in which we are sitting in now? I'll be honest, I don't do it nearly as much as I should. Because this tangible stuff, this wonderful coffee that was in the back. It's here. It's available. I can see it. I can taste it. But consider, consider how being regularly conscious of spiritual realities would change how we interact with daily life. Consider if we are constantly present or understanding God's omnipotence, his omnipresence how that would bring about a fear of the lord that he is aware when that temptation strikes that he is aware and he is seeing all and his eyes are scanning to and fro for righteousness but yet our god is also omnipresent in those times of need when we are weak his strength is sufficient. What kind of change would there be if we understood the influence of our sin nature and the demonic influence that is around us on a regular basis and we're aware of it like Peter that these things are true and real and they have influence and yet Christ's power is over them. This would give context to the temptations we face. This would help us in fighting those things. This would help us in seeing past the physical so that we may take hold of what is greater. And think about understanding the realities of heaven and hell would stir us up to greater evangelism and urgency for the love of the lost. Often our urgency is the physical. And so we don't think about the eternal. And so we aren't stirred up to urgency. So don't discount the spiritual realities of your situation. Don't discount the spiritual realities in general. For an understanding them, there is great strength and joy and also just preparedness for moving forward in life and the good news for Peter the good news for us is that Jesus intercedes and this is something we can take heart in likewise the Holy Spirit intercedes for us Romans 8 26 likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words so as Jesus says hey Peter you're going to be tempted I've been praying for you. Romans 8, 26. Our sovereign Lord declares to us, you are insufficient in your prayers, but this Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. Take that to the bank. That is ours to grab hold of. Meditate on this. Hold on to this. Trust in this. The next recording of Jesus and Peter that we're going to look at is from Matthew 26. So if you're continuing, you can turn there. Now Matthew 26 and Mark 14 both record this interaction. We're just going to look at the one in Matthew 26 because they're basically the exact same. Um, While Luke and John seem to record what happened in the upper room um, and they either may be the ones in. Luke and John may either be two separate events or different angles on the same event. Um, This one here in Matthew is actually one that occurs on the Mount of Olives. So after they leave. They go to the Mount of Olives, and this is where this one takes place. So Matthew 26 verse 30 to 35. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And all the disciples said the same. So what is Jesus communicating in this instance? Well, Jesus is saying to the disciples, you will all fall away. This is a promised occurrence. It's it's a negative one, but it is a promised occurrence. This is going to happen. You are going to fall away. And indeed, this happens. They scatter as soon as persecution comes. What he also does is, He has a call to authority here. Now, Jesus himself is authority. He is Messiah. He is the son of God. But he says the scriptures foretell this. So he says, not only do I say this, but the scriptures speak of this. And then he has a promised occurrence saying that I will be raised up. So a promise of his resurrection. Not only that, but I will go before you to Galilee. So a promise of reunion They're in Galilee. So Jesus, you're going to fall. Scriptures say this is going to be true. I will be raised up and I will see you in Galilee. How does Peter respond? Though they all fall away. He throws them under the bus immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I shall never fall. You know, it's just, I can just, just see it. Um. though they all fall away Jesus I got your back I will never do it personal confidence once again Peter and how does Jesus respond truly seriously Peter seriously that truly is just him It's probably an exasperation <laughs> truly you will deny me three times Peter responds again, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Notice what happened in this exchange. Let's not gloss over this here. Jesus, who Peter declared is the Messiah, says something is going to happen. He then says the scriptures that are inspired of the Lord were securing this they foretold this was going to happen yet Peter says I say it will not that's bold that is bold Peter in essence is saying Jesus God man Messiah you and God are wrong now how many times have we probably said that in our lives? Or not in bold statements, God, you're wrong. But maybe in some of the ways that we respond to the things that the Lord has declared or said or brought us into. Peter had a much higher view of himself and what he was capable of doing than he had of who jesus was and what god had said and this brings me to the second principle don't discount your ability to fall don't discount your ability to fall and another question for you why do we dismiss the words of jesus so easily and, and don't, don't, give me, don't give me church answers. I want you to th- and think about this and maybe write it down and, and meditate on this later. But why do we dismiss the words of Jesus or the scriptures so easily? We are so good at justifying our sin. Let's just be honest. We are. Peter, no doubt, was justified in his mind for rejecting the very words of Christ in this moment. He loved Jesus. He did not want to see him suffer and die. He also didn't want to be alone. He also didn't want to see the world that had been established that Peter was now a part of his ecosystem, his monetary income. That not wasn't a lot, but it was some, his support group, the guy who held it all together. He didn't want to see that gone. A lot of times we are easy to dismiss the words of Jesus simply for that one word that we all know well, and that is simply pride. Pride leads to an unrealistic view of ourself. Therefore, we discount God and we inflate ourselves. I am not weak. I am more powerful than I I think And then this is, this is what Peter is doing. Jesus, you are probably right about all these other guys. I know them. I've hung out with them. They're probably all going to fall. I I got it, but not me. I'm going to stay firm till the end. This is the lie of self-sufficiently, self-sufficiency. But compare this to 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Get that. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from Peter had fallen into the trap. My sufficiency, my power is here. And so he heard the words of Jesus and he said, That can't be true. Because I know me and I will not fall. But Jesus knew Peter's weakness. He knew his denial was coming and he prayed for Peter. And Peter fell. He doesn't respond with contrition here at these words. Instead, he acts in pride. Finally, let's move into our last passage. This is John 13. The last interaction we'll look at. John 13, 31 through 38. This is another one that occurs in the upper room. Um, I wanted to end here because I know you guys have been walking through John and this one um, I think is just a great one to to end on for us. Um, Again, Judas has been called out as the betrayer. There's still some confusion in the upper room. Um, The disciples are are kind of in this sphere of of confusion. Um, And then Jesus speaks after Judas leaves. He says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, and you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me. Three times. All right. What is Jesus communicating here? Jesus is communicating first that now is the time of his glorification. Now is the time of a new spiritual reality. Now is the time of what we know in Philippians 2.9, that there God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. This is what is upon Jesus at this time. His exaltation through the cross and resurrection is coming. The ascension is coming. All of this is on the way. The new spiritual reality is coming. Christ's glorification also brings with it physical absence through his ascension. This is the effects of the new spiritual reality. Then Jesus also gives a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. This instruction is due to that new reality. Jesus is going to be absent, so he's saying, hey, listen, love one another. I'm going to be gone, so I need you to love one another. So others may look upon you and the love you have one another and know the Father. And Peter hears what Jesus says, and he gets stuck on that middle one. The effects of the new reality. How does he respond? Jesus, where are you going? This is an understandable question. In my mind, Peter's probably thinking about tracking Jesus. I just, knowing Peter, he's like, all right, I got to know where he's going. There's got to be a way to get there. Then the second question, why can I not follow? Again, an understandable question. I think he's probably thinking, okay, what are the limiting factors? How do I overcome them? so that I can find a way to follow Jesus. Again, Peter's Peter's going to do everything in his power to bypass what Jesus is trying to say. And then he lays out before Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. And this is at that, that personal confidence. But I, I, I don't think this is necessarily just out of pure arrogance. I think Peter is coming here out of an expression of love. And the reason I say that is because of that those preceding questions. Peter desperately wants to follow after Jesus. and When he hears that he can't follow his first words are, but Jesus, I, I would die for you. I would die for you. Don't don't you understand? Don't you understand you're leaving? Don't you understand I would die for you? There is there's a heart-wrenching plea there. Maybe if Jesus knew how much I, I loved him, maybe if he knew how much I was willing to sacrifice for him, he would stay. He wouldn't leave me. Peter wants to change Jesus' change Jesus's plans because he can't see the greater plan that is in place Peter his plan is Jesus by his side BFFs till the end of time Right? that's what what Peter sees Jesus sees death suffering resurrection and glory this brings me to the third principle here don't discount God's use of suffering in your life Don't discount God's use of suffering in your life. Peter did not understand that it was through suffering that glorification was going to come, even though Jesus had spelled this out many times. All he heard was loss. All he heard was loss, and he did not want to experience that. And likewise, we we shouldn't judge God's faithfulness Or power in our own life based on how well he sticks to our plan. Because our plan often equals more comfort and worldly success than it does anything else. But it's about God's glory. And often God's glory may mean that we enter into suffering for his name's sake. Or that he leads us into a deep valley so that we may grow in Christ's likeness so that we may be made more into his image so peter filled with confusion fleshly confidence peter was reacting in this moment of time because he couldn't see the full plan and suffering just didn't make sense to him he did not see the cross where sin would be destroyed He did not see the temptation where he would deny Jesus three times. He did not see the coming resurrection. He did not see the restoration that had been planned for him since the beginning. He did not grasp any of these things because he was a man in this moment of time, dealing with confusion and frustration. But there was a time later, after the resurrection, after the restoration, After Peter had seen the power of the Holy Spirit at work, that we read in like 1 Peter 1, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the same guy. Peter's confidence is no longer in Peter, but in Christ. Peter's plan is no longer his own, but is shaped by the word of God. Peter's hope is not in his earthly circumstance, but in the coming revelation of Jesus. This is because the sanctifying work of Christ through the Holy Spirit has had his work in Peter and the same spirit in his sanctifying work is in those who are in Christ today. Principle 4 Don't discount the power and grace of God to redeem your most boneheaded mistakes. Don't discount the power and grace of God to redeem your most boneheaded mistakes. I say that because Peter denies the sovereign Lord of the universe three times after being told he was going to do it more than once and boasting in his ability to be able to bypass that. And yet Jesus in his grace reaches down, restores him, empowers him, transforms him, redeems that brokenness, and uses him in a profound way. So there is nothing, there is nothing that you have done that can keep God from doing that same thing. When you fail, go to Christ, he restores. When your Christian friend fails, remind them of Christ, he restores. When your unbelieving friend fails, take them to Christ. He restores. Our great sovereign king is orchestrating all this for our good in Christ. And those spiritual realities may flex and we may fall. Your physical and emotional abilities may fracture. Christ is sufficient. He will sustain you, bring you into the kingdom. You may suffer great pain and loss, yet it is nothing compared to that which is waiting for you in glory. You you may have made a train wreck of your life even up to this point. Christ doesn't look at that and say, I'm done. He reaches down into the mess. I mean, look where Peter was. Jesus predicted that. The scriptures, your, your... mess-ups were not in the Old Testament. Let me just say that. Peter's were. Like, he was going to fall. He did. He was restored. And Christ redeemed that for his name's sake. Find your security on the rock that is Christ. If there's one thing you take away from all of this Find your security on the rock that is Christ, because you can't be trusted, just like Peter. Self-confidence, yeah, look at me, I can do this, will fail you, but God is your strength and your portion forever, and he is eternal, he is the rock of ages, and he will lead you into glory so may you be encouraged that even though as we look at peter and as you look at what he has done and the failures of of what he what has occurred in his life here we look at that jesus was basically calling him out and he never got it it was all part of christ's plan of redemption Christ's plan of restoration. Christ's plan to take what is broken and to transform it into something that can transform the world. And that's not something to take lightly. That's something to seriously consider as happening even in this room. Let's pray. Father, we thank you We thank you for this story. The story of a man who is filled with his own self-confidence, his own confusion and fear and you name it, Father. His brokenness was on display in many of the things we read today and you made it a point to make it very visible to us. So that we could see how our Lord, Jesus, interacted with him. With kindness and meekness and yes, truth that that hurts, but yet leads to great restoration. God, I pray that we would be people who walk in humility. That we would be willing to be corrected. We would be willing to hear the hard truth that we would be contrite in spirit, that in those moments that, like Peter, we are confronted with maybe something we need to hear, we would not boast in our own flesh, but we would be willing to listen. At the same time, I pray, Father, that if we have been like Peter and fallen short, that we would be quick to run to the cross and that we Rest in the grace of Christ and find great hope in the spiritual reality that we are hidden with Christ in God in the heavenly places. And that cannot change. For we are secured in the everlasting arms of the king of the universe. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this time together. Pray that you would help us to be reminded of these things as we walk this out this week. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Here we go. Thank you so much.
0: I really appreciate that message today. It's hard to to be cognizant of spiritual warfare that's going on around us without that turning you into like, you know, a superstitious wreck. Like, what's the difference? To, to be aware of all the spiritual battles that are happening, but then not to dwell on that, it's Christ. It's grounding yourself in Christ. It's, uh, it's not closing your mind to those realities, but it's also not getting so wrapped up in those that we forget the, the work that God is constantly doing on our behalf, how two members of the Trinity are constantly interceding to the third one for you all the time man that's a that's a huge truth But i don't know about you guys i just need to i need to rest in that one sometimes i need to grasp that more so thank you so much everybody for being here today you are dismissed um yeah great to see you guys and uh have a great rest of your sunday Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.